1: I understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the
2: of back. I've got a problem with soccer, too, saying. balls. To the
3: area to...
2: Oh, what a start! Oh, what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything single.
4: Baby, Welcome to House of Champions YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in the chat. And make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we preview the second leg of the round of 16 games in the UEFA Champions League. In the House of Champions tonight, we got three champions. There's Michael LaHood, there's Jonathan Johnson, and there's James Bench. I guess I should start with... No, I'm not coming to you, Mike. I'm coming to you, James Bench, first man. What a crazy ending to the Arsenal game (laughs) How was it, a weekend. One of the best finishes to a game I have ever seen in Premier League history, mate. How was it in attendance?
5: Um, I mean, that's the great... I've been to some amazing venues. I've been to some amazing games. That's the greatest atmosphere I've ever witnessed in a football match. Um, Certainly at the Emirates Stadium, which famously was a bit of a library for about a decade. (laughs) <laughs> just the most incredible game. Um, the energy, the atmosphere, seeing uh, there was a child on the pitch and Mikel Arteta was like, who put this child on the pitch? Um, and, you know, it was just unforgettable. Um, and and uh, yeah, the weekend only got better
4: from there on out, didn't it, Mike Lahoud? you just you just had to come to me <laughs> we, no no we're not coming to you yet we're going to we're going to paris first jonathan johnson uh psg got the victory um it was uh mbappe record-breaking once again nice to be in attendance for that one
2: but you're not going to ask me about Villa getting back-to-back wins thanks to uh, Joachim Andersen known <laughs> goal. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, huge, uh, hu- huge achievement by uh, by Mbappé, and then you saw the scenes at Parc des Princes afterwards. Uh, you know, very fitting, I think, for him to uh, uh, you know be celebrated the way that he was for surpassing Edison Cavani's record. But it's uh, you know it's going to be worth nothing if uh, they end up going out to Bayern in the Champions League this week. So, uh, looking forward to getting to that with you guys in a bit.
4: Mm. Time has come, Michael. Mm. Time has come for you to speak here. Um, I'm also a Manchester United fan, as you well and truly know. Um, I feel like there's a lesson to be learned from this uh, performance, this result at the weekend, but maybe there's not a lesson to be learned. That was an absolute hammer, mate. Oh,
1: uh, man. James, when you said there was a child on the pitch, I thought you were referring to Bruno, Bruno Fernandez. Fernandez. Because uh, we'll get we'll we'll get into that when we get into United. But hey, some days you just get absolutely mauled and it just happens to be at Anfield when it comes to Manchester United. I don't even want to get into the weeds about it. Let's just get it into the Champions League because I'll start cussing.
4: All right, just for you, Michael, we'll move on to the Champions League. It is the the round of 16 second-leg fixtures. Really looking forward to, obviously, all of them taking place. But there's one in particular I have my eyes my attention on, and that, of course, is the game at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund have that 1-0 advantage. Going into the second leg, Chelsea finally got a win at the weekend, James Bench. But what did we learn, if anything at all, from that win at the weekend over Leeds? I mean, yes,
5: they won they continue to be on this sort of, I mean, I don't know if this is what Todd Bowley's plan was all along, but it's like an art house project to see who can come up with the most bizarre, ludicrous way in which to not score a goal. And I mean, if that is the case, then give this guy Kai Havertz an Oscar because he is, uh, he is broadening, opening new horizons in the art of somehow missing brilliant chances. Um, but, they won. The pressure eased a little bit. I think the fact it was against Leeds is really important. That's a game that no Chelsea fan would accept losing. Um, and actually, you can see an upwards trajectory from a very low point and with an awful lot to do in front of goal. But the chances are coming. They might all be clanging back off the post or going too close to the goalkeeper. But I think the worry if you're Borussia Dortmund is, look, I mean, Havertz might be a bad finisher, but joe Felix is not. Raheem Sterling is not. Eventually, they've underperformed their xG in the last ten games. I think they've got about thirteen xG in those ten league and European games, and they've scored four goals. Everything we know about xG, everything we know about these players, says that will start kind of regressing towards the mean eventually, and Chelsea will start scoring goals. So, I think there's a reason for hope. I don't think. I mean, you know, this isn't this isn't 2012 all over again. They're not going to turn this round and win the Champions League. But I think Dortmund might be thinking, God, we should have punished them um, and got more from the home leg.
2: Equally, though, I think as well, Dortmund will be buoyed by the fact that they are already uh, one goal up on aggregate, knowing that despite the fact that Chelsea look like they might be on the verge of an uptick in form, that they still have that extra goal. So if they do manage to score uh, this midweek, uh, you know, then that's probably going to make things pretty difficult for Chelsea, at least Uh, you know, to to sort of take them to extra time, if not put the the tie beyond them completely. Uh, I mean, it feels like, you know, perhaps we might be in for Chelsea improving domestically between now and the end of the season. But I still think it's going to be very, very tight for them in this game against Dortmund. And I think really, if Dortmund can get a goal, which I believe they will, uh, then it will probably be enough to knock Chelsea out.
4: Well, if you turn your attention, Mike, to Borussia Dortmund and the fact that they're on this incredible winning streak right now, 2023 seems to be their year. They can't stop winning games. Defensively, they're a lot better. They're not conceding many goals. I think they've only conceded, what, five goals over the last nine games, something like that. They're now back in a title challenge race with Bayern Munich. And that is something we did not expect to happen this year. So something's going very, very right for Borussia Dortmund. So what needs to go right for Dortmund in this game for them to knock Chelsea out?
1: I I think I look at the back line first and foremost, and it's the consistency that we're seeing in the back line. The partnership between Sula and Slaughterback is getting better. At the weekend against RB Leipzig, though, there were cracks in the pavement. That's going to come with a Dortmund team that plays very expansive. You see the number of players in attack that they put forward. I mean, they get both outside backs bombing forward at any given time. Rafa Guerrero, he's a player that he's come to life in this post-World Cup sort of vein of form they found. But all eyes will be on two players. Number one, Jude Bellingham. We'll get to him shortly. But the guy that's actually been in fuego for him, Julian Brandt. This guy got denied for scoring his fifth straight what fifth straight goal in, what, five games in a row? Got denied, I think it was a VAR call at the last minute um, just before half. But I think that Borussia Dortmund, okay. they are the team in form. And they are the team that I, I think will have a slighter edge in this matchup.
5: Ian, I got a bit of a question for you on a on a Dortmund theme. Obviously, yeah. Alexander Mayer had seemed like an okay game on Friday night, but everything we hear is that that Gregor Koble is going to be out. Now I know a lot of people that watch mostly Premier League and, and maybe don't watch the Bundesliga a lot might not know too much about him. But if nothing else, he's in the FIFA EA Sports FIFA team of the week every week. <laughs> this guy seems like a really impressive goalkeeper.
4: You were talking about Kubo here? Or are we talking yeah, about Kubo. Meyer?
5: Not Meyer. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. No, no, him. listen.
4: Well, James, you have to think about the fact that he was thrown in at the deep end at Borussia Dortmund, right? Defensively, they haven't been great, right? Mm. So the goalkeeper before, which was Roman Berkey, who's now playing in Major League Soccer, um, basically wanted to leave because of all of the goals he was conceded and how crap their defense has been for such a long period of time that it's a very difficult job. Kubo came in and actually had a pretty decent record coming into the club, but his first season, if you go back and look at the stats, were not good. Conceded a ton of goals, made a bunch of errors, and there was a lot more shots coming at him. I mean, defensively, Dortmund were just woeful. They've also gone through trainer change, so coaching change after coaching change, and that's also difficult to deal with for any new player that's come into a club. But he's a very, very good goalkeeper. There's no doubt about it. I, th- I still think there's more to come from this Borussia Dortmund defense to help him in front. Um, but this is a change, and I, I do believe. I think Meyer will start and go. And if I'm not mistaken, he's now in his thirties, Meyer now, mm. and he has played four Champions League games only. So there's not many minutes there for them. Where, yeah, I would say that. You've got to question that backline going up against Chelsea. But realistically, do we have to question that backline going up against Chelsea? Because there's a great comment coming in right here, JJ. This one comes in from Vic. And he says, can Chelsea score two goals with a question mark? He doesn't know. And he's a Chelsea fan. He doesn't know if Chelsea, (laughs) if you think of all the players that they've got, all the players that they've signed, he doesn't know if they can score two goals against Borussia Dortmund. Now, that would be my question. But my question would also be is, can Chelsea stop Dortmund from scoring goals? Because right now, nobody seems to be able to stop Dortmund from scoring goals.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that is probably going to be the biggest challenge. It's sort of linked to the point that I was trying to make earlier where Dortmund already have that one goal advantage from the first leg. Do I see them scoring at least once in this second leg? Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean that I see them winning on the night but I do think it puts them in a stronger position to win the tie. And you look at some of the games that Dortmund have won recently, not just that victory over Leipzig, by the way, but that victory over Freiburg as well. It was a massive win a couple of weeks ago. It was, what, 5-1, something like that. You know, So Dortmund do have this sort of appetite for, for big games coming back as well, which is not what you want to hear uh, You know, when you're Chelsea coming into this one because despite the fact that things are starting to look a little better, a little brighter, You know, is it going to be enough unless there's some, you know, unexpected, uh, you know, hot streak where, you know, all of these shots that are going sort of in and around the goal, but not quite into it, uh, you know, uh, start finding the back of the net. For me, I find it difficult to see Chelsea getting past Dortmund, assuming that Dortmund do get the goal. Because, I mean, you know, I could see Chelsea sort of eking out a 1-0 win, which obviously would take it to extra time, potentially penalties. I just not, I mean, I agree with Vic. I don't see Chelsea scoring two goals very easily in this one. And I certainly don't see them keeping uh, Dortmund out, especially if the match goes beyond 90 minutes.
1: I think, and I I think you're onto something there, JJ, but Chelsea were knocking on the door in the first leg. This, we have to remember, this wasn't just a Dortmund blowout. This was a Chelsea team that I thought were the better team throughout the course of the 90 minutes and should have had a goal. And the misfiring Chelsea, this is why we're here. This is why they're in the place that they're in. Joao Felix though, He is the player that looked just a cut above from Chelsea players. He's been the one player who's gone closest next to Kai Havertz. I think if he gets that early goal, this could be the game where the dam
4: breaks for Chelsea. Early goal will be a difference in this tie. I think so, too. I think you have to look at that early goal. I also want to just touch upon real quickly the midfield battle there. producer the if you can put that graphic back up there. Listen, James, we've got a great battle going on between two fantastic players. Enzo Fernandez, obviously a World Cup winner. Jude Bellingham probably is going to be the most expended, uh, uh, most expensive departure from the Bundesliga in history. Um, both incredible players. Um, but this is where the game could essentially be won or, or lost. So who do you think has the advantage in that midfield area? <sighs> I mean, the challenge is they're quite different players, aren't they? And uh, but it almost, I do agree with you
5: that whoever wins that battle probably wins the game. Enzo is going to want to set the tempo. I don't think Jude Bellingham minds if the opposition set the tempo. He is crash bang wallop all energy. I mean, he could he could do a, uh, uh, a Enzo Fernandez job for you. He's that varied and multi skilled. But I think in this Dortmund team, he is the guy that picks the ball up off the defense and within a blink you know he's he's in the final third driving at you i think he's their top scorer as well as uh, you know gets assists wins tackles does the lot i think if the game is played at bellingham's pace dortmund have got a, a really good chance they're going to want this to be a, a bit of a breakneck game chelsea are going to want to just sort of slowly apply the apply the chokehold and i think enzo fernandez is vital in this can i answer the two questions the one that you asked and the one that vic asked yes, i think can. chelsea are going to score two goals i actually think they're going to score 3 mm. Give them two hours to do it. Give them extra time. Um, and I think, I think <laughs> they
4: can't stop Dortmund uh, scoring either. So I'm going 3-1. There's a prediction. So you go, so, wait a minute, you go, so what you're saying is it's going to be 1-0 at 90 minutes?
5: 2-1. No, no away goals. So this is the thing. There's no away. Like this Dortmund win would have been perfect pre-away goals because they just need to go and score and they've got a, a huge advantage. But someone correct me if I'm wrong because I keep worrying about this. Now that nope. there's no away goals, it's you know yep. suddenly the you know netting one at Stamford bridge isn't quite the a uh, bit of gold dust it was a few years ago so kind of for that reason I'm I've got it 2-1 at the final whistle and then and then Chelsea get the third.
4: I actually love that James as well when you consider the mm. fact that UEFA got rid of that away goal I think it's made the games a lot more intense now and we can expect really Dortmund to go for it here in this mm. because they they need to score goals. They know that Chelsea will be a danger. Mike what you got here's your prediction.
1: I go 2 1, Borussia Dortmund, get the win and win this tie. Dortmund do have a lapse, and it comes on either side of the halves. They, they're they good in starting. They bring the energy. I expect him to bring the energy. They will need to bring the energy. But Dortmund do have depth in ways Chelsea does not right now. I think they have too much for Chelsea on the night.
5: Chelsea have definitely got depth. It's, it's the one thing they have got.
1: <laughs> they do have depth in terms of numbers. <laughs> good. but depth and quality. Depth yeah. and quality, Dortmund have better
4: squad player you know when you get your, your your new kit Mike you know you walk in there and they've got like they're the only squad that has three numbers on the kit numbers when it comes to squad selection JJ before I get you there we've got a comment from Ali A I think this one's directed at you Mike the prediction for this game is 7-0 from Ali A right there JJ what is oh, your prediction shit. for this game
2: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that I can't, I can't share Benji's uh, optimism in terms of the number of goals I actually have this one being 1-1 I've got a feeling that Dortmund will snatch a late leveller on the on the night and uh, eventually go through two one. But no, I mean, it's a really interesting uh, you know debate, and I'm sure we'll get to it when we, when we cover uh, PSG going up against Bayern Munich. This sort of the the lesser importance of away goals, uh, you know, in the in, with the new rules coming in. So for me, I think that Dortmund still have the the slight edge, but they absolutely can't afford to let Chelsea score more than once.
4: I'm going to say that Borussia Dortmund keep this fine winning run going. I think they beat Chelsea. I just, I've just watched Chelsea so many times, as we all have here, and I just don't know how Chelsea can beat Dortmund. Dortmund are a team that are capable of scoring two or three goals against any team. All right, let's turn our attention to the other game, of course, on Tuesday. It's Benfica against Brugge. I think we can keep this one relatively quickly here. JJ, I'll come to you first on this one here. Benfica, I mean, listen, it's, it's pretty much straightforward with a victory away from home against Brugge. They left it into the second half. It was nil-nil at time. Two goals in the second half. Probably should have been 4-0 in that game. But Benfica, a clear favourite to go through in this time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that Benfica pretty much have it tied up from the, the first leg. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see you know a less intense second leg. Uh, I do think Benfica will win. I don't think it'll be anything spectacular, probably by a goal or so. But for for me, Brugger, I think the achievement was getting out of the group stage. I can't really see them pulling off anything uh, here. Certainly not. Uh, you know, given their, their their form of late in the last couple of months. So for me, this one's going to be a narrow Benfica win and, uh, you know, quite an easy path into the, the quarterfinals or a straightforward one, I should say.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, JJ. Not seeing much in this one. I think Gonzalo Ramos does get back to the scoring charts, though. He has been in fuego since these two teams met last, getting, I think, three goals in his last few games. Look for him to be the baller.
5: I mean, there's quite a lot. Riding on this for Scott Parker, who kind of has a job to save. They lost to Ostend, I think, who are in the Belgian relegation zone. And um, this is—I think this is something all our American listeners will appreciate. They're fighting to get in the playoffs, man. You know, thank you, Belgian league, for doing this. They are <laughs> clinging on to fourth spot. Scott Parker is clinging on to his job. Admitted, he might face the sack. I mean, this is basically a game for for Brugge, where you've got to. Uh, avoid any further humiliation I don't think anyone would sack Scott Parker because he didn't beat Benfica but I'm certain he could lose badly enough to uh to lose himself his job um I don't know I've I don't know about you guys I've always wondered what would happen if you saw, took like a mid-table team from a mid-tier European league and, and chuck them into the business end of the Champions League and hey
4: we're finding out not a lot yeah <laughs> yeah, not a lot. And by the way, they didn't just lose at the weekend. They got absolutely 3-0. pumped at oh, the weekend, 3-0. Yeah. I mean, that was an embarrassment, but he hasn't lost many games. If I'm not mistaken, he's only lost three games since he's taken over in 23, but he just can't win games.
2: 2 Wasn't there that scene though, yeah. where Mignolet followed him down the tunnel a couple of weeks ago, like ranting and raving about how bad the team were?
4: Brilliant, by the way. I thought that video, if you haven't seen it yet, go check that out on social media. It was like a scene from a movie, wasn't it? Where you just see the coach, like, quickly, like, brisk walking through, and then you see the player screaming you can, in his ear. You can hear
2: him when you lay before you see him, though, in that video.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, real quickly, Mike, I want to ask you about this Benfica side. You, pe- you mentioned it already. You've touched upon the fact that they're scoring goals, Almerio scoring goals. Mm. We know, obviously, Gonzalo Ramos is scoring goals, Silva's scoring goals. We we know they're dangerous. But what is it in particular, just from you, that makes this Benfica side so special? I think it's their their willingness to
1: move in transition. Transition is where I saw them in the group stages against the likes of a PSV, PSG, excuse me, wrong P, PSG, and <laughs> Juventus and it's the numbers they throw forward they're such a good counter-attacking team and they're young they have players who don't know how good they are and they don't care who they're playing on the week it could be in league or in the champions league they play the same way they're well coached and they're well drilled
4: all right let's take a quick break more to come when we come back we'll turn our attention to wednesday's games uh house of champions we'll be right back after this short break
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news
3: Well, don't miss a
4: second of the action from the greatest club competition on earth. That is, of course, the Champions League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Lionel Messi, Karim Benzema, Victor Osman and Erling Haaland as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the beautiful game. All of your soccer needs from the Champions League to Europa League, to Serie A, to NWSL and so much more is available to you on Paramount+. You can try one month free by using the code ADVANCE. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. Enjoy alongside Michael Lahoot, Jonathan Johnson, and James Bench. We turn our attention to the big one, or should I say the big one? Let's go for it, JJ. It's Bayern Munich against Paris Saint-Germain. Looking forward to this game for obvious reasons. Big Bundesliga follower. You're Paris Saint-Germain. Obviously, you cover them so closely. This is a massive game for PSG. They find themselves behind in the tie. They were a bit unfortunate with injuries going into that first leg. What type of a reaction and performance are you expecting from Paris Saint Germain at a very difficult place to go play? Even though Bayern concede goals, they're actually on a very good and consistent run at this moment in time.
2: It is a difficult place uh, to go, but let's not forget the last time PSG were there, they did get the win. Uh, And I think as well, obviously, a lot's changed. There's no away goals rule anymore, which is how PSG made it past Bayern last time out. Uh, And I think that plays into PSG's hands because what's gone on the last couple of weeks actually really puts PSG in this position now where there's not really anything for them to lose. You know, either they give it everything, come up short, and at least they tried, or you know, they do everything they can to, you know, be as good an attack as we know that they can be on their day. And they potentially punch some holes in this Bayern defence. Because like you said, Bayern are certainly not vulnerable. Uh, sorry, uh, Bayern are, are not infallible. Sorry, they are vulnerable at the back. Um, and I think that's going to give PSG a lot of confidence. I mean, obviously there's a lot of reasons for them to be pessimistic coming into the game. No Neymar, Presno Kimpembe out for the rest of the season. You know, you've got this dubious uh, Ashraf Hakimi situation where he probably will play, but there's major uh, you know, noise uh, surrounding him at the moment because of uh, the the recent rape allegations uh, and charges placed against him uh, in France. Uh, and then you have Marquinhos who picked up a knock over the weekend. He won't be a hundred percent fit, but probably will play. I mean, I think in many ways, what's happened in the last couple of weeks have simplified the situation for PSG. Basically, is go out there, score goals. If you don't score goals, you're going home. So, for me, I. I can see PSG scoring and I can see them scoring more than once, but can I see PSG keeping a clean sheet in Germany? Not at all. Uh, you know, PSG's defensive stats this year have been absolutely dreadful. Uh, and even with a full strength defense, I wouldn't have that much confidence in them keeping by and out. So I think this one's going to go beyond 90 minutes for me. And I think it probably will be the most goal rich of the games this week.
5: Love it. Uh, I, I completely agree with JJ's assessment of what the final result will be. Um, I am baffled, flabbergasted, and stunned with his suggestion that uh, that this is a sort of nothing to play
2: for a, a free hit for PSG. I mean, this is the competition. Uh, no, no, no. no, no not not that it would be nothing to play for, but it's nothing nothing to lose, basically. like There's no point them coming and being pragmatic about it and trying to be defensive. It's just go... All-out attack. I mean, yeah, we know the season's over if PSG go out. There's no doubt about that. I
5: just, I think there's this strange thing where, yeah, I mean, and I completely agree, they need to go all-out attack. But then that's always where the problem is, isn't it? Is that it's all about the attack. Uh, Normally it's Neymar and uh, Mbappe, but this time around it would be Messi and and Mbappe are up in that final third of the pitch uh, while all the action's happening at the other end. And, you know, I have to say, I feel like I've already seen this game because I've seen it when PSG play Liverpool. I've seen it when PSG play countless teams, Real Madrid, Um, that ultimately, you know, there will be moments where you think PSG have done it, but Bayern are a complete 11. I think their defence doesn't get the credit it deserves. Pamicano was wonderful in the first leg. Mm -hmm. And they're just, they they are a team and teams tend to be individuals. And I think in the end, you know, PSG will be defending Bayern Munich's 11-man attack with nine players that to me is where this this tie is won and, and lost and for all the brilliance of that
1: front two like give me 11 very good footballers instead mm-hmm. but I, I've seen it's almost been addition by subtraction though in the last couple of weeks since the Neymar injury with PSG more balance in their team yes Messi and Mbappe are doing everything up front but there is more of a balance to this team and JJ is it possible still feeding even- though Still Still, still getting wins. Still getting wins, have to be said, and getting goals as they build up to this tie, which they will. Is it possible, though, for PSG to even be pragmatic with the way they're set up? I don't think so. I don't think they will care one bit. It's all about getting this man right here, killing Mbappe in front of goal. Remember the last game? When he came on, it was a different It was just momentum shifting from PSG. But, James, I do agree with you. This Bayern Munich side, how many times have we looked to count them out? How many times have we said, and we've all said it at one point, not just Ian, that there's something not right with Bayern Munich? The guy who doesn't get enough credit, he's just proving the naysayers wrong, Chopa Moting. This guy just uh, scored again at the weekend. I thought he was one of the better players on the field in the first leg. He will be motivated. He has a decent goal-scoring record against former teams. He will be highly motivated to make a statement in the second leg. New contract as well for Chupo Moting
4: JJ.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was surprised that he didn't manage to score in the first leg. But then again, I think he hit the post and came very close anyway. So, uh, you know, he did everything but put the ball in the back of the net. Really wouldn't stun me if, uh, you know, he was to score for Bayern in this one. But I mean, I think as well, um, you know, there's a lot to be said uh, about how Nagelsmann goes about rearranging his defense in this one. Because let's not forget, there's no Pavard now. So that means there's going to be a lot of responsibility for Upper Meccano and Licht. Uh, You know, and I think as well the the, the area that was most interesting for PSG, certainly in the second half of that first leg, because they were woeful in the first half, it really was poor, uh, was when uh, you got Nuno Mendes ripping into Bayern uh, on PSG's left side, so on Bayern's right, that was probably the the most direct route uh, to goal in uh, sort of the final twenty to twenty five minutes once Mbappe was on the pitch, uh, and I think that that's what Galtier will try to set PSG up to do. And I mean, obviously as well, when you have somebody like Hakimi who can, uh, you know, on his day, uh, you know, add a lot of width on the right as well, uh, you know, that could potentially make things very, very direct for PSG. I mean, I think without Neymar in this, given where he's at at the moment, it's probably a a blessing in disguise because I think... Messi and Mbappé at this moment in time is a more productive combination than a Neymar and uh, Mbappé and certainly a Neymar uh, and Messi. The issue for PSG, as always, is what happens in that midfield. Apart from Marco Verratti being the creator, what else does that midfield give you? Because it doesn't usually give you that much. Uh, You know, you get a solid uh, performance from the likes of a Danilo but, you know, but, uh, you know, Ruiz is sort of flattered to deceive at times. It could be, you know, the moment that, you know, is really sat up for him to deliver an impressive performance. But, you know, if Ferrati is not absolutely on it, as you expect he probably will be, uh, you know, PSG's midfield will probably be, uh, you know, their shortcoming here.
4: Really looking forward to this game for obvious reasons. And, um I think this will be the test. You know, Mike, you had touched upon it. The fact that, you know, I'd I'd made many comments over uh, this past season that there's something not quite right at at Bayern. I think these are the games where you find out where Bayern Munich really are at. If they they turn up and they score three or four against Paris Saint-Germain, I think we can safely say that goal scoring is not really a, a big worry for them. But we must not forget the fact that they have done very well in the group stage. They have obviously done well in Paris to get that lead and that slight advantage. It wasn't a great game. It was was a relatively boring game. And we're expecting a lot more. expecting a lot more fireworks, especially from Paris Saint-Germain now that they have two very key players back fit and ready to go for this game. So I think this will be a very, very big test to see where Bayern Munich are. I think if PSG on their day, if JJ, we go back to the performance in Marseille where I thought, wow, this PSG team will cause Mm. absolute mayhem for Bayern Munich. I know, James, we we touched upon the fact that Bayern have been defending better and uh, Upamecano did have a great game and they can but they're also suspect to making mistakes and being vulnerable in big games when it matters most. These are the tests where I want to see from this Bayern defense how good they really are, how good this midfield is. And then can Drupal really be that guy? Is Sadio Mane 100% fit, ready to go for these big games? I don't know. That's my question. I don't know if Leroy Sani is going to be ready up for this mm. game. I don't know if Serge Gnabry's got the right mentality and mindset. James, you know him well. Is he ready to go for this big game? Because if Serge Gnabry's on his game, oh, he, loves he could be game. the difference maker. He loves it. But he, he's got to be able to turn up in these big games. Otherwise, Bayern Munich, and very easily I could say this, Bayern Munich could very easily get knocked out in this match. And that's what I'm worried about. So my prediction here is that PSG turn up on the day and knock Bayern Munich out. Once again, I'm betting against Bayern Munich. JJ, I've got a feeling you're going for PSG as well, so I'll get your prediction first before the boys.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that I'm absolutely certain about in this one is that it's not over after 90 minutes. Uh, I think PSG will win in the 90 and force extra time. Now, I'm not quite sure what happens after that. I have gone for for 3-1 in my, my official prediction. It wouldn't surprise me if Bayern get a second, but the thing is, I wouldn't rule PSG out of winning this one by the two goals they need to go through. So I'm going to stick with my three-one after extra time. But I'm very, very close to being certain it's going to go beyond ninety minutes. Obviously, now you can be, you know, rest assured that it's not going to go beyond ninety. Something will happen, and uh, you know, contrive to to prove me totally wrong. But uh, now I feel that this one. I, it just feels like it's going to deliver. There's so much uh, at stake in terms of PSG's season, uh, and like you said as well, you know, for for Bayern in terms of sort of where they're at under under Nagelsmann. You know, I think this one is really going to be one of those memorable Champions League nights from this edition. Mike prediction. Oh
1: man, I'm torn because these are two teams I don't like. PSG for obvious reasons. Sorry, JJ.
2: Got to give a shout out to OM. Um, I, I try. I, I try to save you from that misery. And you I know, know. look what look what's happened to you these last couple I of weeks from not listening to Uncle JJ. It
1: was <laughs> it was it was the skunked wine that I was drinking on that trip to France. So now I'm learning my ways. It is so hard to bet against PSG. In this tie, because of what I saw in the second half of that first leg, it wasn't like it was a dominant Bayern performance for 90 minutes. When Mbappe was on the field, the game changed. And I can't bet against Mbappe, man. This guy is that much of a difference maker. I think PSG two-one in regulation, it goes to extra time. That's all to play for. I could see this going to penalty kicks and Sergio Ramos bottling it in the end. Bayern advances it.
5: Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, something Thierry Henry said to us last month, Ian, after that first leg, where he kind of listed the many, many problems with PSG. I think it was the structure, the form, the attitude, and then just those three words that will scare the life out of Bayern Munich defenders. They have Killian.
1: It's difficult to say they can't go through, because I've seen it. They won there with him scoring already. Not the same team, not the same thing. Mm. and When you have a guy like that, you can. Now if you go back to the structure... I'm not too sure. If you go back to how they've been playing recently, I'm not too sure. With the the, the desire that they have at the minute, I'm also not too sure But they have him.
5: Having said that, you know, Bayern Munich has some really good attackers too. Uh, like everyone else, I think this is going to be an absolutely brilliant game. I think
4: 2-2 in 90 minutes, Bayern Munich advance. All right, there you have it. The boys have spoken. Everybody in the comments have spoken. We're going to take a quick 10-second timeout before we turn our attention to Spurs against Milan
1: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
4: Well, don't forget, if you want to listen to that full interview with Thierry Henry, myself and James Benz, you can go ahead and check it out on House of Champions YouTube and of course, all over the podcast format as well. Terrific interview, James, it was. Thierry, obviously very open. He was, uh, he was sensational, actually, and he he loves a long answer. I'll tell you that much. James, what was your overall <laughs> thought on the answers? I <laughs> couldn't get a word in edgeways. When you get that guy going, especially on the
5: topics he loves, when he's talking about strikers, you just got to sit back and listen. And I think to an extent, you know, even yourself, Ian, I mean, let alone me, someone that's never played the game, what on earth do I have to tell Thierry Henry here about Haaland and Bappe and Harry Kane? You know, you just sit back and you listen to... The, one of the all-time greats you know and
4: certainly the greatest player that a certain section of well anywhere in north london has ever seen I can i can tell you this james um i feel like i never played the game when i'm sitting listening to thierry henry talk about the beautiful game it was awesome you can go check it out on our youtube page let's turn our attention to the other game taking place on Wednesday's Tottenham against ac milan milan with that slight advantage michael come to you first on this one uh cracking game who wins and why
1: Believe it or not, I'm going Tottenham Hotspurs. (laughs) From what I saw from AC Milan this weekend, the thing that worries me about them most is when they come on the road in the Champions League, they just don't bring it. We saw it when they came to Stamford Bridge at Chelsea. Completely different AC Milan team. Were they at full strength at the weekend? No. But their back three were all over the place. They struggled to cope with the movement of Fiorentina's front line. And Jovic is no Harry Kane. And Tottenham, yes, they lost two on the bounce, but... They had chances. They had chances at the weekend, and on any of any other day, I think they put them in. I think Harry Kane, the difference maker in this game. Nah, not having it. Um, really?
5: <laughs> <laughs> of course, Harry Kane is a difference maker. But I mean, like, so the difference between the the difference between Tottenham of this season and the reason that Antonio Conte has kind of lost the fans. Hard to imagine that a year ago. Is that it is pretty much dissolving it, devolving into the Harry Kane show. Richarlison, still no goals in the Premier League. Son, I think it's now been going long enough, and he's old enough that we have to say this isn't blip. This might be decline. Um, and and Kulisevsky is is fantastic, but he's only he's more creator, not finisher. And then I think you kind of look at everything behind there, and there's not a platform. There wasn't really last season, but Kane and Son could and Kulisevsky could do it all by themselves, but they're really missing Bentancourt. And um, Basuma would be quite helpful as well. As, I mean, Skipper's come in and done a really good job. I just, I mean, they are awful, God awful to watch. And there is, <laughs> there is nothing linking this team together. I, I mean, I, I can absolutely see them grinding out and a, what I predicted, that they'll grind out a one nil win. And then it goes to the lottery of penalties. I kind of had Milan shading that because I think, you know, Maignan's a fantastic goalkeeper, but like, god i'm really disappointed that this is going to be the game i'll be watching just, i might even have just to go there it, and it'll James, be like minus just, four degrees
1: just say it that you're <laughs> gonna think you're gonna pick spurs to win just say it
5: i know i've got milan to win on penalties because oh,
1: okay.
5: I, okay. I, 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 but yeah i mean it's not going to be a good game if, if you're wondering which stream to load up on paramount plus like <laughs> do not do not load. It. So we've just got a picture, the video that Nigel Rio sent us of a baby resisting having a Tottenham Hotspur shirt put on them. And like, look, I can't blame them because was, I know it fans are a older as child than cruelty, him. surely. I know fans <laughs> are a lot older than him that have never seen their uh, team win a, a major bit of silverware beyond the Audi Cup. So, um, yeah.
2: <laughs> I, th- I think many people in my family feel like I was like that with my younger brother, forcing a villa shirt upon him and then de- <laughs> decades of misery, uh, followed. But, uh, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's interesting hearing James saying what he was saying, because I've, I've gone for a similar outcome. I actually went for it to finish 1-1 on the night. I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of goals. That was probably me being optimistic and hoping that James will be spared extra time and potentially penalties and freezing cold. The other side Uh, of London. It it wouldn't surprise me, though, if it does go uh, beyond 90, but mainly because of the the ineptitude of, uh, of both sides being able to score regardless of who goes through i don't think that either side is going to be able to go that much further and make a dent in this competition you know based on what we've seen from them over uh you know large swathes of the season now but um you know i think for for milan if they were able to knock spurs out which i think that they will be able to do in this tie i think that could be considered a success to get themselves back to the quarterfinals you know that would you know, at least show some progress in what's otherwise been a fairly underwhelming season, uh, you know, for the Italian giants, but for, for Spurs, I agree with James. It feels like it's almost like the end with Conte now can't come quickly enough for them. I should just say,
5: I know that you guys will be really worried about me having to go and watch the football for free, um, (laughs) in a, uh, Magnificent stadium, one of the best sports stadiums in Europe. I know you'll all be very worried that I might be a bit bored because the football's not good enough. But on the bright side, my fiance does have COVID at the moment, so there's a distinct chance I won't be able to leave the house. So uh, every cloud has a silver lining. I might get to blessing,
4: this game. blessing <laughs> in disguise, right there, James Fence, James, James, oh, is, just on, r- on
2: James is just rubbing himself up on every door handle in the house <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> getting himself out of it. <laughs>
4: Oh it's brilliant. Oh, right real quickly before we do get out of here and turn attention to Europa League. I want to get uh, your opinion as to how many English teams actually go through here because we're on the bubble here. Mike, I'll start with you then JJ okay. then James. So obviously the four teams in there didn't win. Um but three of them at home in the second leg. So Mike, who have you got uh, got going through here from the English uh, Premier League? Oh, man.
1: Oh, man. I'm going to go Manchester City. I think RB Leipzig didn't do their first like performance justice by getting that goal that they needed to go to the Etihad. Mm -hmm. And surprise, surprise. I'm going to put the Drake curse on Tottenham Hotspurs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting the curse on them. Look, if they yes, they two losses on the bounce. That's worrying. But they created chances and were so unlucky. I mean, hit off the bar, hit off the post. Chances, if it goes a couple inches the other way against Milan, it's a different story. So Tottenham City. Tottenham
4: City, that's it? Yeah, that's it. All right, JJ.
2: City. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd love to think that Liverpool could mount some incredible comeback after the results against United. I know that Mike doesn't want to go there, but I don't think it will happen.
5: I mean, look, as, as Ed noted, that this Tottenham season, it's all really about Beyonce at the Tottenham <laughs> Hotspur Stadium. I'm there on the day of the FA Cup final, um, which I just said to my editors, I'm not doing the FA Cup final. I got Beyonce tickets. And they were like, yeah, fair enough. Um, I have two. I have, as I said earlier, Chelsea and like everyone else's, City. Mm. The one thing I would say is I am convinced that there will be a moment where we think Liverpool might do the unimaginable. I think they might get like 2-0 up, say, in the Bernabeu. I think we all forget how good they were for the first 20 minutes. Like Madrid will get through that,
4: but I think Liverpool will have a moment. Can I just say that Real Madrid have been absolutely dreadful to watch (laughs) since that game. I've watched every game. I've made a couple of wagers on them since that game because I thought, oh my God, Real Madrid are awesome. No. No they have been dreadful to watch. And after that performance yesterday from Liverpool, who knows what can happen and it is the beauty, beauty of the Champions League. I think City and Spurs go through, just to throw in my two cents as well. All right, let's turn our attention to the Europa League. There's a lot of great games to look forward to, obviously, on Paramount Plus. um, The round of 16 first-leg games these will be. Um, I'm really excited about the Europa League. I think that James, there's a lot to look forward to for obvious reasons. There's some big teams still in there. There There's some wonderful Cinderella stories with the Unions going head to head. Um, But I can only imagine um, that Arsenal is going to have a lot of your attention in that game against Sporting.
5: Um, Yeah, that's all right. I mean, I'm intrigued as to how strong they really kind of, how much they commit to this. um, And especially like the emotional energy they consumed on them. On, on Saturday, it'll be really intriguing to see who's up, up for that game. Look, they've got great depth. I think their depth is really underappreciated. And, you know, Reese Nelson, Emil Smith Rowe both made good contributions in that game. I think they'll go strong for the first leg and, and try and get it won. You'll see players like Xhaka come in. and um, But I think the big issue they're going to have is that they may not have a striker. Trossard injured and Ketia injured. Gabriel Jesus is just working his way back to full fitness. So, I had I did my predictions when the draw was made and I actually have them going out to to uh, Sporting. Who are a pretty good team and, and we've seen they they do raise it for the uh, European nights.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really keen on seeing that Roma Real Sociedad tie. Yeah. The battle of two fourth place teams in their respective leagues. Roma off the massive win against Juventus and something I didn't see coming in that Moise Keane Lost his head pretty much coming on what came on 89th minute sub minute later, gone off the field. Didn't matter. Roma getting a statement win against the Bianca and Sociedad. They've been inconsistent. Start of the season. Well, but I've really been impressed with them in the Europa League. That's going to be a good tie across the two matches.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, they have dropped off uh, domestically of late. I was lucky enough to, to get a bit of time with some of the higher-ups at Sociedad a couple of weeks ago. Really, really interesting chat about a very, uh, very, I wouldn't necessarily call them unique, but a club that's doing things a lot differently because obviously we associate Basque football with Athletic Club and their sort of 100% Basque, uh, you know, uh, policy where only players who are either born in the region or at least hail from it can represent the, the club, uh, you know, and talking to, to the likes of the sporting director, uh, you know, to, to Vice-Captain uh, Oyathabal as well, uh, you know, it was absolutely fascinating. And it really strikes me as the, the standout tie in this one, and I'm, I'm keen to see how it plays out.
4: Really looking forward to myself, the Juventus against Freiburg game. Obviously, I want to see how Freiburg cope against a giant in Juventus who just lost oh. against Roma, which was a cracking game to watch, by the way. Yes, I don't know if anybody caught it on Paramount Plus, it was a brilliant game. But Juve just lacking a little something extra to get over the finish line. Roma looked decent at the end. Uh, picking up, obviously, um very vital points for them. So I'm excited to see how Freiburg can handle that situation. No-no for them at the weekend on the road to Gladbach. Mike, real quickly on Manchester United against Betis. What type of reaction are you expecting from Manchester United after getting absolutely pummeled by Liverpool? Uh, I'm expecting a big reaction because they're going to have to have a reaction
1: or else it could all go sideways. We've seen this before from United, maybe not to the extent that we saw 7-0 at Anfield. But I go back to the reaction they had at the start of the season, getting absolutely pumped against Brentford 4-0. A bit of a a look in the mirror sort of moment. Self-reflection period needed for this team. But the best thing that happens as a player is having not a lot of time. To dwell on a game where you got a game in a couple days to right the wrongs of what happened at Anfield.
4: Hey right, JJ, real quickly, no, no French teams. What's up with that?
2: Yeah, obviously, uh, hugely disappointing. It's now all riding on uh, Nice in the uh, Europa Conference League, uh, which, to be honest, I, I think actually they have a, a good shout of winning when you look at the way they've picked up under D.A. Degar of late. But uh, yeah, hugely disappointing that there's no French team uh, you know, in the mix for this, uh, especially given the way that some of them put themselves in the driving seat and then shot themselves in the foot.
4: Really looking forward to everybody out there. Thank you so much for jumping in the comments. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Some cracking ones there. BX Gunner saying he wants that trophy, of course. Why wouldn't you want that trophy there? He also says there's some big scalps in this competition left to go. Uh, Lokesh Rai jumping in and said... Where's our biased man, Nigel? Where's he gone? <laughs> I don't know. I've no idea where the biased man is. He's probably, uh, probably, in sat, and probably t- sat
2: in some dressing room somewhere yeah. uh, so he can give us one of his anecdotes next time he's on. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, A lot of great comments from the Champions League as well, but I want to thank everybody out there for jumping in the comments and making sure you enjoy the show. This show is being created for you. House of Champions is not just our house, it's also your house as well. We're back at it again on Tuesday, post-games, 5 p.m. Eastern, so make sure you jump in and join the show then. Big thanks to everybody out there who's listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We are available of course on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as videos so subscribe to us and like and leave a comment on youtube as well it means the world to all of us boys appreciate you always enjoy the games thank you very much for your predictions and all your wonderful comments we'll see you on tuesday after the games everybody out there see you there.